0: Is your inattentive child also fearful, worried, and avoidant? Are you worried about their worry and don't know what to do? Well, listen to find out just exactly what to do. Hi, I'm Dr. Roseanne, and I'm a mental health trailblazer. And join me as we have real conversations about real solutions to kids' problems. And today we're talking about kids who have ADHD, maybe they're unfocused, maybe they don't have a diagnosis, but they're also really anxious and how to distinguish between the two and what to do about it. So let's dive in. Hi, this is It's Gonna Be Okay with Dr. Roseanne, and I am Dr. Roseanne. And if you are new to me, make sure you join our Facebook group by heading over to www.drroseanne.com forward slash group. That's where we have an awesome tribe of parents just like you and me who really want actionable tips and tools that are safe and natural and aren't going to hurt your child's brain. And that's what we do every day in there. So jump into the conversation and find ways to help your child, you and your entire family. So we're talking about ADHD and anxiety. They are like salt and pepper, just want to (laughs) say. And I don't mean it in a good way. But anxiety and ADHD really honestly go hand in hand. I almost never have a child with ADHD who isn't anxious because, drumroll please, It's because they're always being corrected. I mean, if you're always being corrected and told, stop this, don't do this, don't touch your, did you get your homework, whatever, who wouldn't be anxious? So let's talk about it because sometimes kids with anxiety are mislabeled as ADHD and vice versa. And sometimes they co occur, as I said, most of the time they do co occur. But I also just want to have an important reminder, if you haven't listened to, is, is it ADHD or something else? There are a lot of things that can impact a person's attention, and it doesn't have to be ADHD. All the time in our Brain Behavior Reset Program, we work with people all over the world, in person and virtually. When we do a brain map and a strategy session, or if you're fully remote, we do what's called a brain check We get to the bottom of it and we figure it out. We use quantitative data. And guess what? You get this girl's three decades of experience. So you know, if somebody was like, Hey, I can do neurofeedback locally. Why would I come to you? Well, good luck with that. So you are paying for expertise and you really want to know what's going on. That's what I do every day. And I love it. If anybody's ever had a strategy session with me, you know, it's like a reading of the tea leaves. And the important part of that is it gets kids the right help. Every week it happens. I mean, most people don't have accurate diagnosis and they absolutely never have the full pieces of the puzzle. Every little piece makes a difference. So let's talk about anxiety, right? What does anxiety look like? You always hear me talk about dysregulated kids and there's internalizers and externalizers. And internalizers, right? Or an anxious kids can be an internalizer and externalizer. So an internalizer is just what you would think about most anxious kids. There's worry in the inside, fearful thoughts dictate your actions or inaction. You avoid things. You need reassurance. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. And you might, you have a typically, everybody who has anxiety has somatic symptoms. They're going to have belly aches or headaches. There's going to be something, chronic pain. And then on the externalizer side, you might have an anxious kid punching holes in the wall and telling you to F off. That can also be anxiety. And there can be kids that just quick flash, just regularly, and maybe they don't have inappropriate words with it. But that's what anxiety looks like in the real world. There is a persistent worry about something and clinical anxiety has to be there for at least six months. And it can be related to a situational stressor. As I always talk about with my dysregulated kids that we, that we see here every day in our brain behavior reset program all, from all over, from all over. I'm getting every continent peeps is that they are dysregulated due to compound stressors. So everyday stressors build up in the system. You don't have to have a little T or a big T, right? A little trauma or a big trauma for that to actually happen. So when we talked about anxiety, let's talk about ADHD. So you have to have some... It's got to show up before age 12. So if you just develop ADHD in the pandemic with no clinical history, like, and it doesn't mean a diagnosis, the behaviors are there and you could have been really functional. You have to have clinical signs before age 12. What does that mean? Inattentiveness, right? So you are unfocused, distracted. You're having a hard time. You know, your kid says ha wah. The teacher says they're bright, but they're staring out the window all the time. And then you can, then you have to have hyper or have hyper impulsivity behavior. So those are kids that are on that really hyper side. They're moving around, they're touching people. They won't get their hand off their sister. But also kids that struggle with transitioning, that is a lot to do with impulse control and regulation, switching between tasks, completing tasks, starting tasks. That's the world of ADHD. And when I think of ADHD, I really often think of like bright, capable kids that are distracted by their own inner thoughts or in their environment and really ultimately kids with ADHD can hyperfocus on preferred areas of interest because their brain can lock it and they when it's boring forget about it. When you don't have an ADD brain, you can push yourself through boring things. With ADHD brain, it just can't stay locked down to a task. How are anxiety and ADHD? How do they look the same? Like what's the crossover? And I think for me, one of the first things I think about with both ADHD kids and anxious kids is avoidant and low motivation behaviors. These are two things that I hear a lot. So avoidant behaviors are kids who are anxious, avoid things that make them anxious. Kids with ADHD, different sources, but on the outside, this is what you're seeing. But kids with ADHD, they're avoiding things because it's hard or the brain isn't stimulated. So you're seeing that. And then motivation, again, I hear that word a lot. So the kids are disinterested in things, avoidance maybe behind it. And in case of ADHD, lack of interest, right? Because they're like, Oh gosh, I'd rather do anything but that one thing, whatever that is. And it's so unique. These are unique to each person. However, anxious people are going to really avoid Things that cause distress for them. And that thing that causes distress might be unique to them. My son's going to be doing algebra, and I'm like, oh my God, stress me out even talking about it, you know. But somebody else, you know, they might love it. You know, Chris Hodge loves it, Papa Hodge, you know. So some of the others, there might be a fear of socialization in both anxious individuals and kids for the ADHD. Different reasons why. Somebody with ADHD might not have been successful, and so they avoid it. And somebody with anxiety may or may not have been successful, but are afraid to do it because of fear of success. Ooh, I hope that was an unlock it moment for you. Both individuals with anxiety and ADHD tend to avoid group dynamics. You might have them avoiding clubs. You might have them avoiding sports. I constantly hear this a lot from parents there's an uncomfortableness, they're already struggling within themselves, that may be a problem. Both people with ADHD and anxiety have difficulty staying focused. So somebody with ADHD, parts of their brain, particularly executive functioning regions, are not able to sustain attention long enough to do tasks. Somebody with worry has worry thoughts, Um, OCD's intrusive thoughts, but that occur more than an hour a day. But they're thinking about something else other than the task, and it's worry-based. From the outside, I'm going to tell you in a classroom, these kids can look identical. And with today's stressors compounding within the nervous system, anxiety is often missed. So I like, this is why this is a big conversation. Plus, we already talked about this. Most kids with ADHD, because of the constant correction and difficulty with my next common characteristic, low self-esteem, you really start to see that these kids struggle with how they feel about themselves and they avoid tasks. The focus is, is different for them. I mean, feeling good about yourself means you have no limits. Let me say that again. Feeling good about yourself means you have no limits. When you are super competent and you do not feel good about yourself, you limit yourself. Loving yourself and having those good feelings, self-confidence is critical for life success. We don't want to dive into the emotions. Like a lot of my ADHD people, their families come to me because they're not doing well in school and they sort of disregard some of the other things because we're so hung up and the grades are the benchmark of mental health. Listen to that episode if you haven't. And I don't mean that to shame you. Sometimes we just think it's going to all be okay if the grades are there, but it's the developing of the core. And that is a definite crossover symptom. They feel bad that you know the anxious person feels bad that they're worried and the kid with ADHD feels bad that they're unfocused. Difficulty completing tasks can really be an issue for both an ADD individual and somebody with anxiety. When anxiety is low level and, and if functional enough, it often helps them complete tasks. But once you reach your tipping point in your crisis, people with anxiety, depression, OCD, often we don't know that this internal rumbling is going on. There might be signs and symptoms in terms of physical signs that you might not be making a connection, particularly for my little smarty pants kiddos and teenagers and college kids. But usually it gets to a crisis level and not completing tasks. I remember years ago, I had a young woman I was working with and they they brought her to me and she went to college. She had known anxiety. The parents were like, she's a good student. She'll be fine. I didn't know this and didn't know her until after. Well, she went to college. She never left her room. And because of the way college is, they actually didn't even know until it was like Thanksgiving. And I think that she, the girl let the cat out of the bag. So, you know, that's how serious it can be. And, you know, luckily, she came to us and worked within our brain behavior reset program. She didn't go back to school right then. And in fact, she took the whole rest of the year off and decided to really focus on her mental health. Because as you heard me say, it was something she had been dealing with kind of in a band-aid way because the grades were good. But she couldn't manage without having scaffolding. So we reset her brain with neurofeedback. She did a lot of counseling, a lot of somatic work, and she was able to get better. So it was pretty incredible. And I'm really grateful that she came to us because she went on to leave a totally normal and functional life. Hey there, Dr. Roseanne here, and I'm excited to tell you about my school accommodations guide, which I believe can be a game changer for parents and caregivers of children with special needs or mental health and behavioral challenges. As a parent myself, I understand how challenging it can be to navigate the complex world of IEP and 504 accommodations. That is exactly why I created this guide to provide you with the information you need to advocate for your child's rights and to ensure they're getting the right support that they need to be able to succeed academically, behaviorally, socially, emotionally at school. I've done the work for you, and you have accommodations for over 30 common issues that affect learning. This 80-page guide, you're just going to have a directory that you need to flip through and find exactly the right modifications and accommodations that your child needs. I'm passionate about helping children and their families, and I truly believe this guide can make a difference in the lives of those who use it. That's why I'm offering it completely free. So if you want to make sure your child is getting the best possible education and support, head over to www.drrosanne.com forward slash 504 to download the ultimate school accommodations guide today. I can't wait to hear how this helps you and your child. How are anxiety and ADHD different? Well, obviously, the source of the difficulties are completely different. So it could be the the brain functioning is different. How the brain looks on a brain map is different. The patterning, somebody with ADHD, right? And so a lot of times people come to me and they want to know, I want to know what is actually going on. Um, that's what happened to me this week. Somebody came to me and they were like, I don't want to know what's going on. have a ton of just bizarre diagnoses. So my little thinking cap goes on. And, and this is where all this three decades of clinical experience, over 10,000 brain maps, all the diagnoses this young man had, and he had a shut down life, were all wrong, like 100% wrong. And so, but anxiety was always there for sure. And they did a lot of kind of band-aiding things in order to help him. Attention problems were waxing and waning throughout that time. But in that brain map, you're literally able to say, well, this is the problem. It really was anxiety and not ADD, even though they had believed that it was ADHD his whole life. So it's really helpful to understand what those sources are, but they do look different in the brain. And with a QEG, you're able to just see it. And not everybody can interpret brain maps. If you heard me talk, less than 10, 2% of practitioners interpret their own brain maps. And I'm one of those, one of those nerdy ladies. Mm-hmm. Early onset. So, you know, they, they are different because with ADHD, you're going to always have an onset before age 12. Even if it's not formally diagnosed, you go back, you connect the dots, it makes sense. But with anxiety, you can show up at any time. Now, anxiety, the average age of onset is age six. So that is shocking, but very accurate. So the first signs will show up. The physical symptoms of both of these clinical issues can look different. So if the ADHD child is starting to show anxiety, obviously, you're going to see similar kinds of things, belly aches, headaches, pain, that is very common in anxiety. Whenever I meet anybody of any age who has anxiety, I say, put your hand on your place of your body that you feel the anxiety the most. A lot of times I get it on the chest, the head. I've gotten it on the back of the knees. Like it's so fascinating where it shows up for people. But kids with ADHD, the physical sides, right? If you're impulsive, you're going to have a lot of injuries, A lot of sensory, a lot of pushing, a lot of touching. The physical parts of it are going to look different. You're going to look for a different pattern. And really, ultimately, in the end, you know, if you are unsure if your child has both anxiety or ADHD, they probably in reality have both. But many kids, just like the example I had, this is somebody that really was very anxious. It got misdiagnosed as ADHD because of the level of not being able to focus. And also a lot of my anxious people could have dyslexia and learning problems. Um, and they get missed all the time. So look at what the sources are. My top takeaways are dig in at whether you want to come and work with us in our one-to-one program, but you really have to decide what is it? How do I get to the bottom of it? And I really am a fan of QEG. You want to do lab work. You want to check to what it is, but you can't get the right help if you don't have the right path. And if you think it's something else and that treatment, and I also caution you very strongly A lot of my kids get misdiagnosed with ADHD that have anxiety. They get put on ADHD medication. And oh my gosh, it can be a nightmare. The level of agitation. I've had kids have psychotic breaks. I've had all kinds of things. These medications are dangerous. Please listen to those episodes. Read the blogs. No shaming and blaming. Education. But if you are unsure whether your child has anxiety or ADHD, get to the bottom of it. Parenting is really hard and there are a lot of ups and downs, especially when you have a kid who's unfocused and anxious and you don't know why they are. So in today's episode, we unpacked some of the differences between the two and I hope you got a lot of clarity because it's all about the right solution at the right time and the right order and you can really make changes when you know what path to take. So you already know it's going to be okay when you take one step towards the right solutions. You need the right solution to help your child be successful at home, School and life. And that's why I've created the solution matcher. Go to drrosan.com forward slash help, D R R O S E A N N forward slash help to get the right solution for where you're at.